1: Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience here in Mississippi, WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in to our online affiliates around the world, we appreciate you all being with us as well. As you guys know, this month we've been recognizing National Book Month, and I'm excited to welcome author David Pruitt to our program today. David is celebrating his new book called Relative Distance. We're going to talk to him not only about the writing of the book, but the reflection on his own life, is journey and what he hopes you as a reader are able to take away from it. If you all are just now finding out about the book, of course we'll let you know to get your own copy of it and stay connected with David. But David, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it.
0: Well, Cyrus, it's great to be here. I appreciate your time.
1: Well, this book, I have to say, I, there's so many things I think readers will be able to take away from it. We're going to dive into some of that. But I want to talk to you about this experience. I mean, you lived this account that we're able to read about. What has it been like for you now to be able to share it with the rest of the world?
0: Well, you know, as, as challenging as it was to, uh, to write the book, uh, the moment when I hit post on Facebook and sent it out to all of my friends and people I know, uh, that may have been harder than writing, writing the book just because, it, it, as you know, it's a, it's a personal challenging topic that I wrote about, but uh, it's been great. The reception has been uh, very positive. I've gotten some uh, critical, uh, very positive reviews. So I'm I'm excited about that. So, so far, so good.
1: I think the thing, David, about Relative Distance is that it really is a people book, right? Yes, it's your story, but as I was reading it, what I thought about was there are so many people that can relate to certain aspects of this. We know what it's like um, to have issues with family. We know what it's like to have struggles. We know what it's like um, to be able to see how you're going to come out of a dark space. Did you know going into it that there would be so many moments in your story that people would be able to resonate with and to be able to relate? Well, sir,
0: I, Cyrus, I wrote it with a purpose. Um, so, and, and maybe just to, if I could for a moment just to tell a little bit of my story. Sure, uh, I was in, uh, Thank you. I was raised in, in the blue-collar South in Greensboro, North Carolina. I had two older siblings. Uh, my father was a hard worker; he was a factory worker. My mother was was a kind person, but she was mentally ill probably schizophrenic and she was out of my life by the time I was 10 years old by the time I was 18 my father who was a hard worker unfortunately had severe mood swings and and he was verbally and physically very abusive to me and my siblings and by the time I was 18 years old both of my brothers were homeless on the streets of Greensboro and I almost joined them Uh, but somehow I uh, became a first-generation college graduate got my CPA license I worked in corporate America for 35 years The last 20, I was either the CFO or CEO of my company, and we grew it into the largest specialty cycling business in the United States. So uh, it was quite a journey to get to the point where I could even stop and write a book. Once I retired, as, as, as people do when they retire, it's a moment of dramatic change, and I had time to reflect on my journey. At the same time, I found my older brother, who I'd lost for 27 years. He had been homeless. When he left North Carolina, he was homeless for almost 20 years, and I lost him. I found him when I retired. Uh, I learned about his story and what had happened with him, and I learned how deeply he had been affected by our upbringing, as was I. Even though I'd had a successful career, self-esteem issues, self-confidence, it was a real struggle. And then I did some research, and I found out that 25 to 30 million Americans have some element of abuse or neglect in their upbringing. And so I wrote the book with a purpose. I, I, it's not just about telling my story, but showing two very different paths, my, myself and my brothers, for effectively moving beyond an abusive upbringing to a place where you've, you've kind of found your sense of purpose in, in life. You've found the place where you're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, all proceeds for this book, uh, I'm not putting it in my pocket. I'm donating it to Prevent Child Abuse America it's important to me. I think it's an important message. And, uh, you know, I've wanted to send a message and uh, I hope I've written a good book and told a good story in the process.
1: Well, you have, and, and that kind of goes to what I was saying, uh, David, about the relatability aspect of it, because I, I I do think it reads very personal, and not just very personal because it is yours, but I think because it's ours uh, in, in many respects. You know, we all, again, can kind of know someone uh, who is able to relate to some aspects of, of the book? I want to ask you about something you just mentioned, though, because it does come through in the book. I mean, there are, you know, we have always heard, and I've, over the years on this program, I've heard individuals who may have survived the tragedy, and they have survivor's guilt. There are other people who have gone through a loss, and they have guilt because you know they were able to come out relatively well while others did not. What was it like for you to grapple with being able to be okay with your own success, uh, David, knowing that it was not easy for everyone in your family? Well, you know, that's,
0: that's, that's a great question. And, you know, when I started writing the book, one of the things I, it's the whole, you know, nature versus nurture question. I, you know, I struggled quite a bit. at understand why my life had gone in the direction that it went and, and, and my brothers, who are doing very well now, and I'm extremely proud of, has had the struggles that they had. Um, you know, I, it's hard to answer that question. I will say this. The line dividing the, the trajectory that my life took relative to particularly my brothers was extremely thin. A decision here, a choice there. Our lives could have gone completely differently. So I'm just grateful for where my life went. I'm grateful that my brothers are doing well now, I'm very proud of them. And I don't spend a lot of time anymore thinking about the different trajectories that our lives took, only that we all arrived at the place that we needed to be.
1: Yeah. But you there is something in the in chapter 18, in Epiphany, David. You talk about though you realize that there is there is a decision to be made, right? And and I think I love the way that you said it as you're kind of thinking about the direction that you want to go versus the other direction that you could go in. You say, for the first time in my life, I make plans, somewhat blurry and not fully formed, but plans nonetheless. And I thought that was really powerful. I made a note of that because I think for so many people, even though they may not have it all figured out, um, you know, they have, a, they have a choice. They have a choice whether I'm going to keep going. I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with faith, you know, realizing you don't have to know the full picture just to keep going, or to give in to the despair. Talk to us about that choice and what that's been like for you in your life, David, to to choose to move forward even when there was uncertainty around you. Well, one of the
0: things that I think that a an, uh, an adult – a young adult who was abused as a child and trying to find their place in life, one of the things that I think you have to find, because you can't find it in your home, those four walls that you're living in where the struggles are happening, is to look around you and find role models. And one of the things that I saw is I saw people that were taking their life in a better direction. I had a teacher that was a little bit of a role model for me. I had other people that were reaching for things that I never thought were possible for me to reach for when I saw those role models, and when I saw i was i, I was I benefited by being the youngest of three. I saw the struggles that my brothers were having due to the abuse that we struggled with, and um, that helped me make the right choices at the right time to take my life into a better place so being the youngest sibling and finding those those critical role models who were taking their life in a better direction helped me understand that there was a chance that I could do that as well and helped me begin to form those plans, even though I didn't necessarily have faith that I could execute those plans, uh, it made me want to reach for it, and, uh, and I didn't have that desire to reach for it until I had reached that you know that age of 18 or so when it was really You know, I was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more mature and ready to take a chance and ready to be to have a little bit of courage.
1: Yeah, there there were um, some parts that were difficult to read in the book, uh, David. And I can only imagine what it was like for you to have to relive it, um, to share it. But um, for yourself too, as you mentioned, I mean, you you wrote this with a purpose. How much of that purpose also was your own your own healing?
0: You know, I've had a lot of people ask me if it was a cathartic experience to write the book. You know, I'm I'm at a point in my life where I'm surrounded by people who love me. I've had enough, and God has been good. I've had enough tangible accomplishments to to make me leave, to allow me to leave those times, those earlier times behind a little bit at the point that I wrote the book, Hmm. so I don't know that I necessarily uh, was in pursuit of healing, or even received healing, because I think I'd gradually, over time, gotten my life to a better place. Uh, Again, I've always been, and I I don't know why, I've always been a driven person who, uh, and so my my mission with the book was really my focus, and uh, the healing part of it, not so much, and maybe that's unusual, I don't know, but I was just at a point in my life where... Uh, God had been so good to me, and I'm so grateful for it that uh, I didn't need to be healed. I just want to help. Does that make sense?
1: It, It does make sense, and it leads me to another point I want to read in the book in Chapter 26. And I think it goes to what you came to realize about yourself, David, but also what the reader by this point hopefully we realize about themselves. You you, you say this, uh, and I thought this is, is such a powerful thing. As adults, it can lead us toward feelings of anxiousness and a sense of worthlessness that needs to be disproven almost daily by a tangible accomplishment or the love and assurance of family and friends. Some of us don't make the casual connection between the anxious feelings of today and the brutal uncertainties of the past. Understanding that link and recognizing that our circumstances have changed for the better can free us from the fear and the difficult memories. This is the part that really got me, David. You say, we must understand that we're no longer helpless, no longer defenseless, and that we can now protect ourselves and are worth protecting. That leads me to the question about worth. How does it feel to know, to look at yourself in the mirror, not having to have the accomplishments you've had, not having to have that pat on the back, but to look in the mirror and to know that you are worthy.
0: Well, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, it feels good. I'm not sure that we ever uh, – you know, the key, I think, to living effectively uh, as an adult who's abused as a child is staying present. And staying present allows you to take a full accounting of yourself, including the worth that you have as an individual based on, you know, the people around you and, and maybe the way you've been able to influence them. So, I, you know – just being at this point in my life is a much easier look in the mirror <laughs> than it was okay. when I was a teen and had no idea, you know, what I could do or what I was worth. And so that, that look is much easier, and, you know, it's hard to put aside the journey, uh, you know, every time you look at yourself because that journey is always in your mind. But, um, no, I'm, I'm more comfortable in my skin than I've ever been, and that's, that's a journey that goes on.
1: And for the reader then, David, when they get to that point in the book and read those words about they deserve to be protected, they deserve to be loved, they deserve to – in many effects, what I feel like you're saying is they deserve deserve to be seen. Uh, What do you want them to know then about their own worth and their own value?
0: Well, I, uh, I also refer in my book that we are the sum of what we do. Right. And so I think, uh, look, if you're if you're a good hearted person who's tried to be caring to those around you, you've got a lot to be proud of. You've got a lot to feel good about, no matter what someone might have done to you in an earlier time that was completely out of your control. You look at the sum of what you've done with your life. And if you can look in that mirror and feel good about it, not to say that any of us have been perfect because we haven't and I certainly haven't. But uh, if we know that our intentions are good and what we've done has been good for ourselves and for others, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's all the work you need. You know, it, it, the problem with the things that happen to us when, when we're young, it becomes part of the core, who we are. And uh, the good news is that, that core of who you are can be changed over time. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, take ownership for your life, you know, hold yourself accountable to be the person that you want to be. And if you're doing that and you're treating others right, there's no mystery in that. Uh, the people around you will tell you that. And you should take comfort from that. And uh, yeah, beyond that, I yeah, you know, I did I knew, I learned one thing writing this book and and I know writing a memoir Cyrus, it's really interesting.
1: You you're writing
0: and you're telling your story and people are interested in your story. But they're not reading your book to learn about you. They're reading your book to learn about themselves. Yeah. And so if you can take something from this book, which I, I with real intent, tried to d- deliver messages that you could take from the book that can give you some sense, that can add to your view of your own work, well, then that's exactly what I wanted to do, and I, and I hope I have done that. And I hope I've answered your question, Cyrus. So.
1: You did. You, you, you did. But I have another question, Dave. <laughs> so, okay. so with that being said, then, uh, and, and I love what you said there about the reader, going back to how during the month of October we're celebrating uh, National Book Month, out, out of all of your achievements, did you imagine that one of them would be that being a published author?
0: So here i got an interesting story, a quick one for you on that. So when I was 20 years old, I had moved into – to the dorm, and I'd gotten out of my home where I'd had all the struggles. I was in college, and I was having a beer one night with my roommate, who's still a dear friend today. And I told him that I was going to write a book one day. When I was 26 years old, I met my wife, and I met my future father-in-law for the first time. And he was giving me the once-over, as he should have, because he's got a wonderful daughter, daughter and he's a good man. And he wanted to know what I was going to do with my life, and I told him that I was gonna bust it in corporate America and and try to grow a company, but I was gonna retire at 55 and I was gonna write a book. Mm -hmm. And I did not expect that to happen. I did not know that this is what I would write about. I originally intended to write a fictional thing that I had in my head, but when I started that process, it seemed trite, given all that had happened in my life and my brother's lives. And then I knew that this was the book that I was supposed to write and I'm thankful that I had the capacity to write it, and I'm uh, I'm proud of the quality of it, and I hope it will, will do what I intend for it to do.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure it would, David. I mean, I think it is written in such a way that is definitely uh, relatable, um, but also, I think, um, inspiring. It's inspiring, I mean, to remind us what we come out of, and... And, yes, everyone's situation is different, but I think the thing, again, that comes in the book is the importance of not giving up. But also something that you referenced even in this conversation, I remember in the book as well, you have to keep looking forward. So this is the last thing I'll ask you about then, David, because I think all of us have had some type of trauma, right, in our lives. And I think it is very easy for us to keep going back to that as to why we feel the way we feel, why we are the way we are, how important has it been for you and you feel like for our audience to make sure that they acknowledge what has happened but not be defined by it?
0: I, I think that's a great point. I know that for years I, I was head down trying to raise my two sons and be a good husband and uh, further my career. I was head down doing that, and I tried not to look back, uh, although I have the occasional nighttime things that I dealt with. Uh, But I I will say, and I think a lot of people do that today, they don't want to talk about this, they want to look back at that, and and I do understand that. But I will say this, that when I wrote this book, it really helps me understand some of my behaviors of today, some of my feelings of today, and as you mentioned that passage in the book, that causal connection between my behaviors of today, how I feel about my life, And what happened to me earlier, once I made that connection and, hey, this is why I feel this way, then it helped me to rationalize my emotions a little bit and get a better hold of who I am and the type of person that I want to be and how I want to behave. It really was helpful to me. So I I would encourage those that are listening to this, you may have some of those issues in their past that they don't want to stop and take a look at. For me, at least, it's been really, really helpful uh, to make that connection, and it's helped with, with behaviors and thinking. And uh, I'll also say this, too, you know, with COVID being such a big thing in all of our lives these last few years and the sense of isolation and, and the way that mental health issues have come into the light yeah. of, of of the world with all that's gone on, I think uh, in a lot of uh, health care that, that individuals have today, there's a, there's options for wellness care mentally and some therapy things. And if those things are helpful to you, I recommend that as well.
1: That's a great point. It's such a great conversation with you, David. So glad you could come by. Again, everyone, David Pruitt has been our guest. Relative distance is the book. Available through our friends at amazon.com, published from our friends at Spark Press. I always enjoy their books, and this is another great one. Uh, David, how can our audience stay connected with you?
0: So I have a website, uh, DavidLpruitt.com that will have a little bit more of my stories and information about the book some statistics and information about child abuse and even homelessness and uh, I'll also be doing uh, some email newsletters and some things in the future that if you want to stay connected to me that would be a great way to do it but I certainly appreciate uh, your interest in my book relative distance and uh, Cyrus thank you so much for giving me this time with you
1: definitely online really enjoyed it looking forward to speaking with you again David
0: all right Cyrus thank you
1: and we You're welcome, and we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care.